Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. You're on your own, kid. You are. <laughs> Make my way through the motions. I try to ignore it. But home's looking farther the closer I get. Hi, I'm Dom Alessio, and this is Other Side of the Tracks. Each episode, we feature a new release and talk to the artist about the inspiration, meaning, and stories behind each song. In this episode, we take a look at The Pains of Growing, the highly anticipated second album by Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Alessia Cara. Since her debut album Know-It-All went platinum, Alessia has quickly had to adjust to the reality of fame. Drawing from personal experience, Alessia wrote every track on the album, resulting in a personal, mature and soulful sound that explores the obstacles and silver lining of growing up. This is The Pains of Growing by Alessia Cara. I would say if you're going to listen to this, um, I would just sit on your bed, um, wherever your bed is, and just, just lie down, maybe get in the covers, however you're comfortable, and just... You know, just have no distractions around you. Um, and I would say this because this is how I thought of a lot of the ideas for this these songs and how I listened to them through the mixes and through the production process. It was just in bed, lying down, um, which is, yeah, basically started a lot of these, just my thoughts in bed. So I would say sit on your bed, lie on your bed um, with no distractions. A short leash and a short fuse don't match. They tell me it ain't that bad. The album is called The Pains of Growing, and what inspired it, I think, was just not only the process that I've gone through over the last three years, but I think the human experience, which is, of course, growth. I think a lot of, or all of us, are always trying to grow and trying to figure things out in life. Uh, That's pretty much, I I would like to think, the goal of a lot of people, if not all of us. You know, we always want to grow. We always want to better ourselves. Um, And I think sometimes there are a lot of events or obstacles that will come into play where we experience um, different forms of pain, whether it's like nostalgic pain or personal pain or things like that. Um, But the beauty of those different kinds of pain is that nothing or none of them are permanent. All pain is temporary, and I think all pain allows us to grow. So that's why I wanted to call it the pains of growing because it provided some sort of a silver lining for me and I think a lot of listeners who may be feeling like they're stuck in a place. Um, just as a reminder to them, you know, that like you will you will grow from from every experience, good or bad. It's definitely the story of my last three years, but I, I don't want it to be focused on me. I don't want people to 
only think of me when they listen. I think the goal for me or the story I want to tell is the human story and the human experience. Um, and I want it to be, you know, just as much about your life, you know, as much as it is mine. Well, I decided early on in the process, pretty much before I started writing it altogether, that I wanted to write this album by myself. And I think it was because I had so much I wanted to say that was built up and suppressed for so long that I just felt like no one could be as personal as I could and no one could tell the story quite like I could. Um, so that was one reason. And then the other reason was just I've always dreamt of creating a project by myself. Um, I mean, it's my dream to be a great songwriter as much as it is to be a great artist. And so it just feels nice to be able to say I've accomplished that and I've made a whole album by myself. I wrote some of it on tour, so that was kind of everywhere, different parts of the US. And then when I started recording it, I recorded most of it in Los Angeles. Um, I got like a little Airbnb. Um, and just kind of lived there, pretended to be a citizen of Los Angeles for a while, um, which was nice because it gave me some sort of normalcy and like routine in my day, which was, it made it easier to go to work every day and have a routine. Um, and then, yeah, that was pretty much it between touring and being all over the world and then LA and a little bit in Toronto as well. So the album opens up with the song Growing Pains, which is the first song I actually wrote for this album, so it felt only the most fitting to, to put it as the first song. Um, and it was pretty much the introduction to me finally admitting what I was going through, but also the introduction to the story of this album, which is um, growth and change and different kinds of pain or different kinds of confusion or stress and things like that. Um, and I don't know. I When I wrote this song, I was really, um, for the first time, opening up to even myself about what I was feeling and what kept me up at night because things were keeping me up at night. Um, I was thrust into this very difficult and strange foreign circumstance, which is beautiful and amazing, but just very different for me. Um, and when that happens and you're simultaneously growing up as an adult, period, um, it can be very challenging to to maintain a sense of self, I guess. Um, and so that's what that song was, and that's why I wrote it. It's just because I needed a way to express that to myself and to everyone else. Um, and I decided to call it Growing Pains because, um, again, I think I I think everything is something that we can grow from. And I wanted at least to believe it for myself that I was going to grow out of whatever I was feeling. I was like singing quickly, I guess, to a certain rhythm in the bridge, which I kind of like. And I like the line where I, I talk about monsters, um, because growing up I would, well, in the song I say, I use monsters as an excuse to lie awake. Now the monsters are the ones that I have to face, which um, is just a cool contrast. I always like contrasting like past versus present or like something or like one feeling versus another feeling so um i just like the way that that feels and like the imagery that i um that i think of when when i hear that line and if that makes sense someday i won't be afraid of my head someday i will not be chained to my bed someday i'll forget the day he left but surely not today this song was 
I think the last song I actually wrote for the album, and it's called Not Today. And I wrote it during a very sad period of time that I was in. Um, I was going through the end of a relationship, which is hard in itself, but then just a lot of things that were poorly timed were kind of happening at once. And I felt really down, and I was going through a bit of a grieving period or just a period of being miserable and throwing a lot of pity parties for myself and all that. And um, I, you know, was experiencing that in front of a lot of people that I loved because I couldn't really hide it at this point. And a lot of them were, you know, giving me that typical advice, which is like, one day you won't remember this person anymore. One day this won't hurt anymore. And one day, one day, which is great. And it's always good to see silver lining in it. But at the time, I just wasn't ready to get to that phase yet. And I wasn't ready to start healing. Um, So this song is about the importance of the grieving period and the miserable period, because I think that's just as crucial to healing as the actual healing itself, you know, and the actual process of healing. So this one's just about acknowledging the fact that I will one day, or I would one day get to a place of happiness and joy again, but just not today, or not that day, anyway. One day I swear the pain will be There's one line where I uh, say that I will one day be the king of misery management. I'll be the king of misery management. And I like that just because I obviously won't be and no one will be, but I like the hope of that. And also, when I was recording it, the producer was like, are you sure you don't want to change it to queen? And I was like, no. And I like that I say king just because I'm a girl and it's it's just, I just like the fact that I'm calling myself a king of something um, and not a queen of something. Because like king is like, queen is under the king and king is like the top. So one day I will be like the king of misery management. Um, I definitely won't be, but I just think that that is a really hopeful line and shooting for the stars, truly. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's very hopeful. And I like that I said king. It originally started um, with a lot of like seven chords, like A7, D7. It was very bluesy. It felt like I should have had like a piece of straw in my mouth and like hat over my eyes, cowboy boots on. Um, That's why it really felt like that. It was very melancholic. But um, I really like that John Levine, the producer, kind of brought it to a place where it felt hopeful in the sonics of it because the song is so heavy in many ways that I like that the the sonics of it and the production feels like there's a, a bit of a light. And again, that contrast between the two um, is present in that song too. You know, the the, the contrast between happy and sad. Because I, I wouldn't want it to be just totally miserable. That wouldn't really help anyone. So, yeah. If there's a guy, do you think he's looking down, curled up on his couch right now? As we fail to figure it out, does he turn down the sound? Is he proud? Are we proud? Guess we forgot. The next song is called Seven Days. And I wrote this one when I was at home for a bit. And it was that period of time, which seems like it's never ending, to be honest, but that particular period of time where you couldn't turn on the TV or the news without seeing something horrible or frustrating or sad. Um, and 
it just really made me think about the state of the world and first of all how we got here in the first place and if this was all supposed to happen or if this is all for a reason um and I don't know I was just feeling particularly philosophical and I was I raised in a Catholic family and I was raised to believe in the fact that God or whoever created the earth in seven days you know that was like the big metaphor so I was thinking about you know if that is really true in a sense um and if there is a God up there watching us, like, how is he watching us? Is he sitting on his couch? Does he have a couch? Is he watching us on a TV screen? And most importantly, if he did create us in seven days, does he think that we were worth the seven days he spent creating us? You know, and did he do this for a reason? Or is this not how he intended, you know, for it to go? Or I just had so many questions. So I wanted to ask him or her or whoever. Um, and he has not responded yet. I'm still waiting. <laughs> he sent me to voicemail. So, yeah, this is my voicemail to God. The spectacle I'm cut and pasted we made. Would you say, please say, it was worth the seven days. There's a line where I talk about um, social media as anti-social media. The anti-social media perpetuates the mess. Which um, is not that clever, but it's also, I think, kind of true. Because I think social media, ironically, has made us way more anti-social. Um, and we're so focused on phones and looking down that we don't look beside us ever. Or don't care to pay attention to the realities of what's going on in the world. You know, we'd rather look at someone's body on Instagram than like kids in Syria that are literally dying as I'm speaking right now. Um, and it's, when you think of it that way, it's very alarming and kind of scary because you don't know where our future is, you know? And if it's happening now, like imagine 10 or 20, 30 years from now when technology is just like consuming us even more like what will happen will we pay attention will like what's gonna happen um so that's I guess a particularly um dark line in itself but then I also just I, I like the imagery that I kind of have throughout the song of like tv and um using the world as like a like one big show that's like entertaining and scary and sad because it's really not a show and that's why it's kind of crazy because sometimes you feel like it's not real um but it is very real um but I just like I don't know putting re like turning reality into like this tv commercial like thing and refer to all the stuff that's happening in the world in that more um like cartoony way it's time I let you go I made the mistake of writing your name on my heart Cause you caught the show But it was too late You left me staying called it The next song is called Trust My Lonely um, And I wrote this one pretty early on in the album process When I was dealing with a lot of voices in my head telling me that I, you know, wasn't going to be able to write the album by myself and, you know, I wasn't good enough as a writer or as a singer or as a person. Um, and I was just kind of wrestling with myself and, like, my confidence versus my low self-esteem and insecurities. And uh, I wanted to kind of shut them up and find a way to write about them in a way that felt more tangible. So I pictured 
the fact that I was turning all of these voices into one person. You know, if I could turn them into a tangible person that I could look at, what would I say to them? Um, and so I came up with the song, Trust My Lonely, and the lyrics of Trust My Lonely. And it feels like I'm talking to somebody, you know, but I'm actually just talking to, in a way, myself and all of the negative voices, whether they're coming from me or from other people that were telling me I wasn't good enough and saying all these mean things. Um, and I did that not only for me because it was easier to um, express myself that way, but I also think that doing it that way or turning it into a pretend person would allow other people or every listener to think of someone in particular when they think about it or when they sing this song or listen to this song. So it could be about an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend or someone who was mean to you or, I don't know, just someone who's mean or maybe the own, you know, your own voices in your own head that may be telling you some, some mean things. There's a line that goes, um, you hurt me numb, and for that I've run out of time to have pain to feel. You hurt me numb, and for that I've run out of time to have pain to feel. I think, like, rhythmically that is cool, it's fun to sing, but then also, um, I think it's a pretty common thing that happens to a lot of people when you hurt so much or when you're in a lot of pain. There just comes a moment or a particular thing or an event that just allows you to realize that you're done with that feeling. Um, and sometimes it's a second, sometimes it's over time, but it always comes where you're just like, I've run out of time to feel this way, or I've run out of need, I guess, to, to feel this way to the point that I'm just like numb to how you make me feel. And um, I, with my insecurities, I don't think I'm numb to them. I wish that I were, but at this particular time, I was like, I'm done. I'm just done feeling insecure and inadequate and I've run out of time to pay attention to, to that part of my brain. The next one that I want to talk about is called All We Know. And this one is like probably the most philosophical, kind of selfishly philosophical, I guess, song on this album. And it's funny because when we were making it, um, Pop and Oak and his guys were making the beat to this song. And they were like, you should take this home and just write like a like a chill song. You know, you don't have any songs that are just really chill or just that don't make people think too much. And I was like, all right, I'll try. So I went home and I, not only in the studio, but then when I got back to the hotel, was watching so many different like interviews of like like the Jim Carrey's most philosophical interviews and if you've ever seen a Jim Carrey interview you you realize like how deep he goes into thought about like human existence and human purpose and all of that stuff and then I was watching a lot of Rick and Morty just a lot of weird sciencey stuff that made me question a lot of things and I had all that stuff on my mind and so instead of writing a chill song I wrote like the deepest song I've ever written and I don't know if anybody will understand it I just it's one of those self songs that I really love and concepts that I've always really been into which is philosophy um I think I would have done philosophy in school if it, if I didn't do music so um yeah and it, there's a lot of there are a lot of references in there of like whether it's philosophers or 
biblical references, um, references to like David Bowie, Frank Sinatra, things in there that people might not catch on to the first time, but I just put them in subliminally. And also I should mention it's called All We Know because I, I'm talking about the fact that all we know in the world is that we don't know anything. And it's crazy how these people that we can see as legends in this world can just be gone in a second. And it was a period of time where everyone was just like falling like dominoes. Everyone was dying. And it's like, what's the purpose of all of this? You know, like how small are we? And, you know, what do we really know about anything? Like, where do we go afterwards? Where do we come from? Um, yeah. Wise is the optimist. But truth is, I don't understand. Haven't figured out much of anything. This is a spoiler alert. If there are any children listening to this, turn this off. Because I talk about the fact that Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> and I say, Saint Nick don't exist anymore. And Oz was just a lonely man. Saint Nick don't exist anymore. And Oz was just a lonely man. And I don't know why. I, I just, I think it kind of, well, when, when we're young, you know, like from a young age, we're told to believe these like lies that aren't really true, you know? And so I was thinking about that and how that none of that is real. And it's like, well, if that's not real, what do we, like, what are we supposed to believe in? You know, what is real? So that was kind of like a pessimistic opening line, but I just like it because I don't know. And then the other line that I like is where I reference um, Paul McCartney and Paul the Apostle at the same time. Um, I say, Paul says, let it be, but the other says, the test is key. So one Paul, on earth now currently you know talked about you know let it be and just let things go don't think about things too much and then paul the apostle if you're more into biblical references um said uh, what's the line test test all things i think is the direct quote so it's like what do we believe do we test things do we look into it or do we just let it be um and again i just like the contrast of those two and they're both named paul so i thought it was funny it's not funny but i just entertained myself with that idea Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The next one is called A Little More, and I wrote and recorded and produced, I use that word lightly also, <laughs> this song in my basement at home, like my childhood home. I have like a little 
rough, poor man's version of a studio set up in my basement. And uh, I just remember thinking about some stuff uh, and just had the urge to write. So I wrote this song. I had a cold that day. So if you hear on this version, I have, like, you can tell my nose is a bit stuffed. Um, and I just put something down. And my initial intention was just to put down a demo and then get it reproduced, re-recorded, et cetera. Um, but for some reason... I just really love the way that it felt. And every time I try to sing it, even now, live, it's just never quite the same. So I decided to keep it all the exact same way. Um, vocally, like production-wise, everything is the way that I wrote it that day. Um, so you'll hear all the little imperfections of like my breathing or like you'll hear my necklace hit the microphone at one point. It's very, very raw, but it just felt so vulnerable. And that's exactly how I was feeling. So we kept it that way. But yeah, it's, it's a song about being in love and insecure and just wanting to hold on to every last part of somebody. There you are with your college friends. You played in a marching band. I can't help but wish I there's a line in the song in the second verse where I say it's very there's like some dark imagery to it I just say take a drill right to my brain take a drill right to my brain which I I always love adding little lines in songs especially when they're really pretty ones um, that ju are just kind of jarring and very different from the rest uh, because um, I don't know I, well the line is about needing constant reassurance so it's basically saying like just take a drill to my brain, go to town, drill this concept that you're not going to get bored of me into my brain. Um, but instead of thinking of a pretty way to say that, I just wanted to say it and just provide some like jarring imagery to kind of shake you away from like the pretty vibe of, of the song. Um, and I don't know, it just sticks out to me because it's like not very, it's not the prettiest line of all of them, but it's, I don't know, it's just different. So the next song that I want to play is called Comfortable, and it is a song about the common point in every romantic relationship, I think, that happens uh, called the comfortable phase, or commonly known as the comfortable phase, at least where I'm from. Um, and it's, I think, the part in a relationship where all of the initial romance sort of fades away and you're left with being aware of the other person's flaws um, and that, for me, when I wrote this song, was a scary phase to be in because I always thought, you know, what happens when the person that I'm with sees all my flaws or what happens when I don't impress them anymore, you know? Uh, and I don't know. It was just, it was just, I guess, my insecurities kicking in. Um, but over time, after thinking about it and pondering it for a while, I realized that if you are in that phase with somebody and you've passed all of the fluffy romantic stuff and you're choosing to be together every day despite the flaws and all of the hard times I think that's more romantic than anything else you know because it's a choice and you're together despite all of those things so um this song was kind of me acknowledging the fact that that phase will arrive at all times but it's just how we choose to see it and how we choose to act or be with each other moving forward It's inevitable in love. 
This song was actually pretty interesting because I wrote all the lyrics and kind of the melody on an airplane a cappella. I didn't have my MIDI keyboard, I didn't have my laptop or a guitar. So I just remember writing the lyrics and coming up with like a rough tempo idea and a rough melody idea, and I left it alone. And then when I was in the studio with No ID, he sent me this Dropbox link of a bunch of just rough instrumentals. And there was this one called Doo-Wop that just attracted me because the title was called Doo-Wop. And I was like, what's this? And I clicked on it and I was in bed course uh where most of this album came about and it was like 3 a.m i clicked on doo-wop and it was just this rough thing of chords with just i believe it was like some trumpet sounds some piano and maybe a little bit of electric guitar um and i was like this is really cool and it had that same kind of tempo that comfortable had so comfortable popped into my head and i was like i wonder if i can I wonder if this will work, if I can adjust the key or maybe a bit of the melody, if this will fit. And so I started singing the lyrics to Comfortable over that rough instrumental, and it fit so perfectly. It was like it was just meant to be. Um, and so I went into the studio the next day, showed Dion, or no ID, as you guys know him, um, and name-dropped Dion. <laughs> um, and uh, I showed him, and I was like, hey, I had this thing, sang it to this thing, like how we should, you know, we should put some drums to this and and make it sound really cool, and he did. He did his little drum thing, and Comfortable was born. And we recorded it actually on a two-inch tape, so it was like straight old school. I won't tell you I'm lonely Cause it may be selfish I won't ask you to hold me Cause that woman was helpless The next song is called Out of Love and it is actually the first song I've ever written that is not from my perspective it's actually from the perspective of a close friend of mine who was going through a breakup, and um, they're not a writer, so they were kind of asking me or coming to me for help and saying, could you write a song about this because I'm feeling this way, this is my situation. Oh, when did you fall out of love, out of love? They just wanted to know when the person that was breaking up with them fell out of love with him. And they were saying, like, I just wish I knew when this happened or when they started feeling that way. And can you just write a song about it? Because I don't know how to express how I'm feeling. And so I was like, okay, maybe one day. And I thought about it for a while. Because um, I typically only write from my perspective, so I didn't know if I'd know how to do it until I realized that that's such a common thing when you think about it. Um, you know, like, we always ask why or how. Um, but another common question that I'm sure a lot of us wonder is, like, when? You know, when was that moment for you? Um, and it's a scary question to actually ask someone, because I don't know if any of us would actually want to know the answer to that. But I just thought it was a really interesting concept, and I was in the studio with nothing to write about, and then that song came into, or that I, song idea came into my head, and um, we just wrote it really, really quickly. It was Rick Knowles on the piano, and um, me on this, like, a microphone kind of similar to this one, just a rough no-pop filter microphone. And he was just saying, 
stick with that concept and just like sing just hum something if lyrics come out like let's just do it and we, I wrote it like so quickly and the way that hit the chords just naturally went with what I was saying it was one of those things that felt like it wasn't coming from us like it was coming from somewhere else as dramatic as that sounds it was really a crazy experience just the way that that came together but um yeah supernatural and awesome and um it came out pretty cool never have i ever been someone who's had it all like not at all yeah and on occasion i could think too much i get uncomfortable hide behind my walls so the next song is called girl next door and it is i think well, it means a couple different things to me. First of all, well, I originally wrote it because of my experience in the music industry as a young woman, and I guess the response that I received from different people. Um, and half of that response um, is really positive and great, and there have been people who've accepted me, and it's been lovely. But then there's an, another side to um, the people who talk about me, I guess, in the media and even just online um, that don't really like me very much um, for reasons that I don't think are necessary. Um, and they always use this term that's kind of funny um, to me. to like, to, And they use it in a condescending way, which is girl next door. Um, some people use it in a positive way towards me, but a lot of people I've noticed over time that they use it in a way to say that I'm, you know, almost too simple or forgettable to be a pop star to or to last in this industry. And I always thought that was, um, first of all, kind of mean, but then also kind of funny in a sense because I never saw um, success or art or creativity as, like, looking a certain way. Um, and I never thought simplicity was forgettable. So I originally started writing it because of that, but then I wanted it to be a song for anyone any girl especially that may be, you know, at school or at home or, you know, just in a place where they feel like maybe they don't look like everyone else or act like everyone else or maybe they're, you know, pretty simple too um, and maybe not the most popular kid in school um, and just remind them that, you know, that doesn't mean you're forgettable and, and what you have to say and who you are as a person is way more important than your status or how people perceive you um, because as long as you perceive yourself as someone who has a lot of worth, I think that's... That's the real worth. No, you won't. No, you won't forget. Forget me, no. No, you won't. No, you won't forget. Forget this girl next door. One thing that's kind of cool, it's not necessarily lyrically, but there's a, uh, a running sound throughout the whole song. It's not even a sound, it's actually like just the chords. The main guitar that you hear is actually the original guitar from the voice note in which I, I wrote the song. Um, so the producers I was working with, Click and Press, they heard the, my demo and they really loved the way that guitar sounded because um, I'm not a great guitar player, so it's kind of like a little bit wonky, a little bit like, I don't know... Um, like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. It's like, it's not perfect, but that's pretty much the premise of the song. Um, and it fits really well. So the sound is kind of gritty and it's just the direct voice note. So that's what you, you hear. Do you recall? 
Recall the days at your old place Playing with troll dolls to scare the kids away My closet was a time machine, yours a stage I wish we told those little girls they're gonna be okay The next song is called My Kind And it is, I think, the most nostalgic song on the album And it is pretty much a tribute, I guess, to my childhood and my past and all of the people and events that have come in and out of my life that have in a way shaped me whether that was many many years ago or even just a couple years ago um just people that I feel close to and that make me remember really good times in my life and uh yeah there's some little clips in there of actual home videos um of the people that I'm speaking about in the song or singing about so you'll hear it in between the verses you'll hear some people singing and talking and these little children voices that are all me and my friends and family and people that I love. It's hard to pick a favorite part of this one just because every single line pretty much is about a, a different person or a different time so it's really hard to pick a favorite part. Um, maybe uh, where I say, wish somebody would have told us that we'd be all right. Wish somebody would have told me that we'd be all right. Is that how, wish somebody would have told me that we'd be all right. Sorry, had to sing it to remember it. Um, yeah, because, you know, when you're a kid, you think that, like, so many things are the end of the world sometimes. Um, and then you realize when you're older, like, you, you're, you're going to be fine, you know. And I wish that I could have gone back in time and told myself, enjoy this. Because, you know, one, it's not going to be forever. And you're going to have real problems one day. But also, you're going to be totally fine. These days, I'm my own best friend. I make my bed to lay in it again. Don't know who to trust. And no time of the month can justify this. So the last thing that I wanted to put on this album is a little mini reprise. I believe that's how you say that word, I think. Reprise? Reprise? Um, of Growing Pains. It doesn't really sound much like Growing Pains. It's a really rough voice note of me singing over this little keyboard thing that I made in the hotel room one day. And uh, I think... I wanted it to close the album because it's really reflective and this whole album is very reflective, but I open it or I end the album with the question, blame it on the growing pains or blame it on me. And I was kind of feeling really melancholic when I wrote this whole thing. Um, and again, it kind of, I don't know. I think this whole album doesn't really have a conclusion or a definite answer because life doesn't. And I wanted it to mirror that. And so, um, I just wanted to leave it open-ended and, I guess, sort of leave the question of why do we feel this way? Is it because of, or why do I feel this way? Is it because of me? Like, can I change it? Or is it just, is it always going to be necessary for growth? If that makes any sense. I don't know if I'm explaining that properly. But I just wanted to leave an open-ended question for the listener who may be feeling that way and for me. Because no one has the answer to life. No one has the key to happiness or to have anything figured out. Um, but I also think there's beauty in that, in not knowing and in questioning. Um, so that's where I left it. Blame it on the growing pains. Just blame it on the growing pains. Blame it on the growing pains. Blame it on me.
Alessia Cara's The Pains of Growing is available now. Visit alessiacara.com for more info. Other Side of the Tracks is produced in Sydney, Australia by U Music Media House, a subsidiary of Universal Music Australia. This episode was edited and mixed by the teams at Eardrum and Forbes Street Studios. For more, visit othersideofthetrackspod.com.